So first of all, welcome, welcome to what I like to call our community of exploration. And as many of you know, to distinguish that from mere belief, the sense of curiosity and exploration. It's like remembering some things are going to resonate and some things are not. And it also brings forward a value about this community of um, we come together with probably similar values around a value around spiritual life, and we come with differences as well. And both are so important, I think, for a healthy community. And one thing in particular I want to acknowledge is, you know, at least when I teach, I'm teaching really from this Buddhist background, from Theravada Buddhism in particular. That's where I've gotten permission to teach. And I want to acknowledge, you know, some of you might be like totally into Buddhism. Some of you might be on the other spectrum of like, you don't really even care about Buddhism, but some of these things resonate for you. And I just want to honor the whole spectrum of however you situate yourself, because it's so important about allowing for different ways of taking this in and different ways of incorporating all of this is, I think, so important around community. That being said, I wanted to share with you a different way of framing or you could say narrating the spiritual path. And, and I want to say you could say there's all these different quote unquote stories or ways of envisioning what it means to be on a spiritual path. You know, in, in Buddhism, the traditional account is that it's about suffering and the end of suffering. And especially historically, that was so tied in with ending rebirth. And, you know, part of that for others, a, a kind of story of kind of purifying the heart in some way, purifying it from reactivity so that compassion and kindness can shine forth. And the reason I name these different ways is because I find that finding these just slightly different angles of talking about a spiritual path reveal certain things. And it's true, each one maybe hides things that is unfortunate, but that's just what comes with it. And tonight, what I wanted to do was to, uh, for us to just take some time to reflect on seeing spiritual path as artistic endeavor. Oh, I'm not a spiritual practitioner, I'm an artist in some way. And, and the reason why I, I think this got evoked is that for me, Sometimes the process of engaging in all these elements of this path feels like an artistic endeavor. It reminds me, you could say of, which I've talked about many times, of a quote unquote past life of mine when I used to play music. And, and some of you can probably relate to this. The process of learning a fine art can feel really similar. And I think I, I wanna take some time to kind of unpack that as far as that goes. Also, for me too, this spiritual path has touched my heart in ways that art is, is, has touched my heart. It, it moves my heart in a particular way, right? I'm touched by sometimes the beauty of, of music or a visual piece of art. It feels like it opens my heart in a freeing way. 
And I think similarly, the spiritual path has that power. And then lastly, I just want to name because I might not get to it, but I think it's so important is that I find that um, for this path to unfold, I need to be deeply passionate about it. It reminds me of, again, playing music, like uh, so many of the, the, the jazz greats that I was so inspired by, I could see their deep passion for music. And it's what carried them along. And I think it's uh, also so, so powerful. And you find this in many spiritual traditions. Like sometimes I see monastics and you know, it might be <laughs> heretical to say, but they seem to be passionate. Their hearts are full of the spiritual path. Or some of you might have seen that, uh, uh, like uh, monks and nuns in, I think in the in the Catholic tradition, will wear a ring. They're they're married to the divine. Right? They've made they've made this vow to their beloved. There's a sense of passion. I think art we find this a lot in. So you could say, just bringing this in that. It's this art that we're engaged in that's it's shaping this body and heart into a new form of, of human living, a new form of beingness that, that I feel is so needed right now. It's like bringing into the world a different tune, a different kind of music with an entirely different rhythm and melody. We can hear these tunes and songs of oppression and harm and stress and suffering. What's the tune of freedom? And how do we engage in that artistic endeavor to bring such a song song forth? I think it's important. And and when I say art, I, I, I see this as a an embodied art. So I want to talk a little bit about embodiment and how it is so intertwined with, you could say, the artistic endeavor, at least the way I want to frame the spiritual path that we're exploring here together. And all I mean by embodiment is like, it's like getting a feeling for this path and this practice. Like it reminds me when I was, um, when I was a monk in the Zen tradition, one of my fellow practitioners, one of my sister monastics, she used to teach Aikido. And it was so great. She, I, I was just so interested. I mean, she had this whole huge background in teaching Aikido. And so she agreed to, it was just a few times, offer me a few sessions to teach me Aikido. But she taught it to me in such an interesting way. She did not verbally explain anything to me. <laughs> because it felt so well in the Zen tradition. And all she would do is she'd take me through these certain exercises and we would do the same exercise until I could feel a shift in how I felt what she was trying to teach me and she felt it. And then we would change. And then there'd be another exercise going through it and going through it. And then it's like, oh, I got the feeling for it. And she was so sensitive, she could see like, oh, oh, Brian, now you're starting to get a sense of it. So let's move on. It was this artistic endeavor, and it was learning to get the feel of this martial art. Some of you might be able to relate to this, right? There's a a feel to it that you finally get, and it's like, oh, oh, here's the piece of this that I'm now understanding. 
And you could say, we're doing the same thing on the spiritual path. Like generosity, this, this, this teaching on generosity, let's just give that as an example. It's not a commandment, you should be generous. It's a practice to get a feeling for generosity and how it can feel good. And maybe you know that switch. Have you ever had that switch where you just feel like you're giving out of ob obligation? And then you give in a way that's so sweet. Like when you, when you offer a meal to someone, you cook a meal for someone. You know how sweet that can be? You know what I'm talking about, probably. Or you offer someone your kind attention or your support in some way. It feels good. And I, I start to get the feeling in my heart of like, oh, this is, this is what this path is about. Oh, it's the heart opening in this way. This is, this is what this is about. Oh, and this feels different than kind of the transactional world of consumerism. But this is generosity, just as I was getting a feeling for Aikido. Or the importance of kindness on this path. Like, you know, I could give you, I probably will sometime give you a whole talk about loving kindness, how it's so important. But it's different, isn't it, when you feel that? Oh, I have a bit more kindness to my frustration that arises. Oh, it feels different when I have that, that sense of, of kindness towards the quote unquote anger that arises, it feels different. Just as when the, my, my sister uh, monastic, she was teaching me Aikido, like I could feel the difference. And on and on, maybe one more example, like have you noticed like the feeling of being present with an emotion compared to being lost in it? Oh, it feels different, now I got it. I can't put it into to words. I now have the feeling of it. And for me, this is such the essence of the spiritual path is getting a feeling for a different way of being. And the Buddha, when I, when I read him, I can't help but get the sense that this is what he's pointing to. He feels like the artist, the poet that's trying to reveal that. Like one example is he gives this image of letting go. It's such a, a core part of this path and this practice is to let go of how I'm so reactive. And he gives an interesting image. He, he's, he, he says it's kind of like a, a, a ship, you know, with its mass and rigging. And then it's on kind of the, the shore for a whole season. And during that season, you know, from the heat and the wind, and the rain, the mast and the, and the rigging begins to wither away and it just drops off. It's like, oh, this is how letting go happens. And when I slow down with that, I can start to feel, oh yeah, letting go does feel like that. It's this natural process. It's not something I do. It's something that happens when I soak myself into the spiritual practice. These things wear away and my heart can open. So I want to point out that's different than, you know, when I feel, for example, fear, and it's like, damn it, I need to let go of that. But it's really clear he's not talking about that. That's just aversion. It's the natural process of seeing something clearly so that something falls away. And it's an organic process. And just as a side note, you know, 
the study group that we'll be doing in July, we'll be, you know, looking at some of these, er, this early literature and, and hopefully some of these metaphors for you to get a feeling sense in this way. So it's not so much a, a verbal thought, but rather a feeling. It feels a certain way. And those of you who have engaged in the arts of some way know probably what I'm talking about. Even like culinary arts. Some of you might know. Have you ever noticed that that just with the use of salt? Oh, this has too much salt in it. This has too little salt in it, this dish. Oh, now there's just the right amount of salt. You know that that point where where it accentuates the other flavors and spices in the dish. Oh, I have a feeling for that. So when I say feeling, it could be that taste in that way. Or as I was saying in, in music, you can hear, right? That's a fifth. That's a fifth interval. That's a fourth. That's a third. And I know it. I, 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 it has no words to it. I feel it in my body. Not only am I, I, I'm hearing it, but it has a certain resonance or certain chords, a dominant seventh chord. It has a certain feeling to it. A jump shot feels a certain way. <laughs> so again, it's getting a feel for this path. And I think what begins to happen when we get a feel for this path is it blossoms into a kind of embodiment that exudes through our being. I remember noticing this, um, I did a month-long retreat with this monastic Ajahn Suchipto. And this thing that struck me the most, I mean, I really appreciated his Dharma talks, but it was how he carried himself. It was just so wonderful to get a feeling when he walked into the meditation hall or every midday meal, we would offer him food. There was something coursing through his body and his blood and his being. He had a feeling for the path and it was happening with whatever he was doing. And that was inspiring for me. And, and I want to be clear, it wasn't like I didn't want to be like him because I'm not him. I want to be really clear about that. But it inspires me to find my particular expression of this path to get my particular feeling of this path. This is what I mean by this art, this art of embodiment. And I think the other reason I wanted to, to make this uh, analogy is that artistic endeavors, whatever it is, a martial arts, music, culinary arts, they take persistence, don't they? And patience, and I'd say even courage. Like to learn how to be with my fears and my frustrations, I, I actually need to come back to them again and again and again with this path and this practice. To start to learn how to be with them rather than to be overwhelmed by them. It sometimes feels like they're coming back just so I can learn. It's like, yo, you haven't gotten this down yet, Brian. Look at, we're back. We're here to help you. Those are on the good days that I can say that.
And I want to share with you some words from uh, Rilke. And this is uh, from his Letters to a Young Poet. I just want to express some gratitude not only to Rilke, but also for uh, Franz Kuppas. Uh, very interesting interchange. So what happened is, is Franz um, wrote a letter to Rilke saying, please, please help me in my endeavor, artistic endeavor to write poetry. And as a result of that, they had this long interchange of letters. And Franz kept all of Rilke's letters. And it was, I think, after three years after Rilke died that he decided to publish them. And so it's out of Franz's willingness to ask to be supported and to to treasure the words of Rilke, they come to us. So this is what Rilke says to, to Franz. He says, to be an artist means not to compute or to count. It means to ripen as the tree, which does not, which does not force its sap, but stands unshaken in the storms of spring with no fear that summer might not follow. It will come regardless, but it only comes to those who live as though eternity stretches before them, carefree, silent, and endless. I learn this daily, learn it with many pains for which I'm grateful. Patience is all. I find something powerful, that image of the tree, standing unshaken in the storms of spring. It's not fearing that summer might not follow. It has courage, it has confidence. Can you bring that to this artistic endeavor of the spiritual path? That kind of quality of heart that quality of patience as well. Because it, it needs that, that sense of patience. Like It's like in basketball, you got to stay on the court, even if you're losing, to learn, being with emotions, the realm of wise speech, not to count or compute, but to be more like that, that tree, this artistic endeavor that we're engaged in. Maybe one last quality around this. This comes from uh, uh, Mondrian, Piet Mondrian, the, uh, the, the 20th century Dutch painter. It says, the position of the artist is humble. They are essentially a channel. And for me, sometimes the spiritual path feels like that. All I am is a channel, I'm a channel for presence, for kindness, for compassion. It keeps me humble in a, a skillful way of my role on this path, my role on this artistic endeavor.
So it's needing that patience, that confidence that an artist must have to really learn these skills, whether it's like learning to be with the breath in a way that's settling and soothing. This is so important to get that down. Oh, to allow the breath to soothe you. And also the willingness to be with the breath when it just is making you feel more restless. That kind of commitment. And it's true, this, this art, you could say, is rather unique because it's more of an art of receptivity. It's like I'm, I'm refining this instrument, this faculty to receive experience in particular ways, particular ways that are going to free the heart. And this is so much of it. And I think this is where it can get tricky because sometimes, you know, we, we understand meditation as a way of being rather than doing. And there's this dichotomy that's made, which I find is really helpful. You'll probably hear me use it in the next talk. <laughs> also, I want to point out that it's problematic. Because in, in an art of learning an art, it's about learning a skill. And there are ways that I can actually engage subtle ways of doing that can lead to a deeper way of being. Subtle ways of engaging that really allow for this art of receptivity. And I think it can be forgotten because sometimes we have these experiences in meditation that can feel so effortless. But what we want to do is we want to train in those rather than them being random. And this is something that comes with art. Have you ever noticed this? Like if you hear a, sorry, it's, it's my, maybe the jazz background, those are kind of folks that come to my mind. But if you've ever heard like Ella Fitzgerald sing, it's unbelievable. It sounds so effortless. Wes Montgomery on guitar. These artists that, that have a fluidity that makes it sound like they're not doing anything. It's just like this effortless way of being. Yet the truth is there are hours and hours and hours of patient diligence in their craft, their art that is allowed for that. It's the same with our hearts. I need to learn the craft of kindness, the craft of compassion and, and mindfulness. It, it's going to take that, that subtle engaging to really learn this art of receptivity. And I think maybe we're misled, you know, some of these notions of awakening, you know, there's in, in at least early Buddhism, you know, there's awakening and sometimes they say, what uh, done has been done. And it can feel like, I just need to get to the point where it's done. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Yet I, I, I wonder, you know, one way that at least some writers talk about full awakening is that it's it's this uh, ability now to engage in a kind of activity like the activity of following the eightfold path but it's just effortless at that point it's like you've become ella fitzgerald like you have that kind of skill <laughs> you sing the song of the dharma or compassion or kindness in a way that just flows it's effortless but I want to say there's still the skill, though. The, the Buddha still sat in meditation. He loved to sit in meditation after he was fully awakened. 
I think it's because at heart he truly was an artist. <laughs> so some specific things, because I want to play with this a little bit, you know, as we meditate um, this evening, and just some specific things you might want to play around with. One is around relaxation. This is something I usually begin every one of our sits with, is this invitation to allow for relaxation. And this fits so well with what I'm talking about, because it's kind of like, if I really try to do relaxation, it doesn't work. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? Maybe you haven't tried that. I have. But there's a way where I can subtly sometimes use the imagination to allow for relaxation. Like sometimes what I play with is just like I'm imagining the energy of my body if I'm feeling restless settling downward. Or I feel like the body's being pulled downward by the earth. Like she's pulling me into presence. You know, or, or I take the, the image of the Buddha, like the rigging falling off and feeling the muscles like beginning to, to open and to drop away, drop downwards, like the rigging and the sails and the masts that the Buddha was talking about. And I imagine that, like I feel the jaw loosen and I'm imagining this opening, this stretching. But do you hear, I am doing something a little bit. I'm, I'm using the imagination a little bit to learn one of these skill sets, relaxing. And like with any art, it's not like, it's, it's not about getting it right or wrong, it's that we learn the skill and we become more skilled at it through repetition. Or priming my heart and mind for presence. So one, one that I go back to, maybe I haven't taught this in a while, is this uh, phrase that's sometimes used is, sometimes I'll just use this phrase, body like a mountain and i'm getting a feeling sense of the body feeling like a mountain like remember my story about aikido right like i'm playing with that until it's like oh there it is there's the feeling of that or it's like if you know your intervals it's like oh that's it's kind of a fifth but it's actually a little sharper a little flat oh there it is a perfect fifth Oh, body like a mountain. Mm, yeah, I can, I can taste some of that. Breath like the wind. Effortlessness of breath, just allowing the breath to come and go. And then the mind like the sky, so spacious. And sometimes when I just use those three phrases, body like a mountain, breath like the wind, mind like the sky, it starts to give me a little bit of that feeling of presence, of mindfulness. And then I engage in however I am, being with the breathing, noticing thoughts coming and going, being with emotion rather than overwhelmed by them. But I'm using this artistic sense to feel it. And with, with art, right? Sometimes you're gonna feel it and sometimes you're not. And not to make a, a big deal of that. It's kind of like the thing that comes to mind, and I know this is such a classic trope, but it felt, feels true at times. I remember when I was playing with this jazz band, I, I still remember some of our um, practice sessions. I remember a few of them right before our gig were horrendous, which felt, <laughs> filled me with fear. It's like, we can't even play that tune right now. And then like 
man, like we came together in this really beautiful way. Like even when everything felt like it was falling apart, like I couldn't follow, like I couldn't even follow the rhythm of the drummer in, 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 the, in the practice session. Oh, and here it is. But there was something about the mess and, and showing up for the practice session that was super important. Yeah, so, so practice like this artistic endeavor. In light of this, let, let's take a, a minute, just let's take a minute. Can you stretch your body, move around, and then we're, we're going to play with meditation as this artistic endeavor. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.